Hi, Max. Uh, welcome back to another ep- podcast episode. How are we doing? I am very well, mate. Yourself? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. So, today's uh, episode, we're going to talk about the year of 2009. Talk about our least favourites and our favourites, as well as some extra recommendations we've got uh, at the end. Because I know we spoke about last time, this is possibly the year where we've seen the most films in that was yeah. released that year. So, so this was like, I, so this is the year, the first year I got the unlimited card, the Cineworld unlimited card. That's it. Um, but also, this was like my peak, like when I used to get paid and literally just rinse half my wages on DVDs and stuff as well. So, like, yeah. it was like a peak, peak time for kind of movie watching for me at that point. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking through Letterboxes how and filtered down how many I've seen in 2009. 97. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Um, Mine just... was 62. <laughs> I literally saw anything. Any, same as you, as soon as City World Card became a thing, it was like, I want to see everything as, as much as I can yeah. in cinema. Yeah, I'll cut you. And, so, do you, so here's a question. Do you remember the very first film you ever watched with the Unlimited Card? No, I really don't. <laughs> it's such a shame because it, it would have probably been terrible as well. So, uh, I don't know if you, uh, they probably still do it to be fair because it takes a while to get the card. But um, do you remember when you used to apply, they give you a code to use before mm, you could actually like, get the card? So, I applied and then like I got the code like in the email like a you know, the same day, and it was like, oh, you know, your card will take a couple of days. The first ever film I ever went to see, and obviously it was in this year, was Night at the Museum 2. Oh, wow. Sexy. Yeah. Not a terrible film, to be fair. Ooh, so it yeah, might was... be in the top five. Oh. Yeah, it, it was, however, it was one of those Saturday morning 10 a.m. kids club things. So, <laughs> like... So you should you be here? <laughs> <laughs> Sir, you uh, could please leave without a fuss. Like... <laughs> I really wish I could remember mine, but it would be some stupid horror. I had a look through the list, and we'll probably mention some throughout this, but I saw a lot of horror films, and oh. like every other one that came out, I just snapped it up and watched it. I have seen a lot of shit this yeah. like There was just knee-deep in shit this year. Like... <laughs> Well, that, that segues nicely into our <laughs> least favourites. <laughs> um, so, yeah, go on there. Reel off some of your least favourites from, uh, from 2009. So, uh, did you want to talk about the recommendations from the last year first? Good shout. Yeah, completely yeah. forgot how the podcast works. But, yeah, let's do recommendations first. Should we edit? Should we, like, do you want to do, like, a... No, I'm just, I'm just going to own up that I'm just terrible. <laughs> fair enough, fair <laughs> I enough. I don't know where I am. <laughs> Fair enough. So my recommendation from the last year, which was 2016, that I went away and watched, mm-hmm. uh, was A Silent Voice. Yes. I'm really nervous so, about this one. So uh, I, I, I enjoyed it. Mm. Caveat. I thought it, was a, I thought it was a, no, I thought it was a very sweet story. Uh, you know, the idea, and I'm going to apologise now, I'm going to absolutely butcher these names, so apologies, but yeah. um, long story short, you know, the story is about a uh, young young guy, Ishida, who is reflecting on his time as a youth, bullying a, a young girl, uh, Nishi Mia, who was a deaf girl that joined his class in elementary school, and he kind of has a bit of a... I wouldn't even say midlife crisis, like a teenage years yeah. crisis, kind of realizing how much of a dick he was to her as a kid and trying to make amends for it by, you know, kind of atoning for what he's done. 
Um, and it, but it was, you know, obviously that, that is a long story short because there is a lot, there is a yeah. lot that goes on in this film. And I was a Definitely. bit surprised because it was like, it's very early on in the film that they kind of, uh, he atones for what he's done. And then it's kind of, it kind of plays around all the other relationships that he's got and yeah. all the other kind of how it links as well. And the, like the impact of what he did as a kid and how it impacted others. Um, but no, I really enjoyed it. I thought it, was, it may have been a little bit long. Yeah, I'll take that. It is quite, it's just over two hours, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is a little bit long, but I love the fact that uh, it kind of reminded me of, um, you know, another recent film kind of dealing with like, you know, uh, hearing impairment, uh, you know, it's the sound of metal. I love the fact there was a lot of scenes where like you heard things from her point of view. So like the fireworks, the sirens, the crowds, like you heard it from like a, uh, you know, someone who may be hearing impaired, stuff like that, to kind of get from her point of view as well. Um, but no, you know, I thought, I thought it was a very, you know, very sweet story. Uh, I love the soundtrack as well. Like that kind of really uh, good, love it. The score that's played throughout it as well. Visually, absolutely incredible. Uh, yeah. It's got that mix of like the classic kind of uh, your, your classic anime and your kind of new sort of a bit more. Uh, you can kind of obviously like computer computer made yeah. art, modernized yeah. sort of anime. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, but no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was really cleverly done. Um, yeah, th- thoroughly enjoyed it. Good. I'm glad you liked it. I I thought I think I mentioned it before about it's a good entry level anime it's not i know actually i wonder if you thought it was too over the top because i don't think it is i mean i there are animes out there that are very like the art style itself is very out there very outlandish but i don't i don't think it is here it still has that it's it's quirkiness to it but yeah it's real without losing that kind of charm of being like uh, not boring but like a bit kind of dull because it's Mm. you know it is an anime at the end of the day but i think because of how amazing the visuals in it are it just kind of like i said you know the flashbacks uh some of the kind of like um the visions he has when you know he kind of looks back on like like the dreams he has as well and stuff like that there's there's a lot of visual things in it where it still takes you to that kind of Mm. um not magic but just just a bit bit more bit more to to you know add to the story and stuff like that and a bit mm. more you know with the actual uh, imagery and stuff like that but no i yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it oh good no i'm glad you liked it um so that's well funny enough the one you asked me to go and watch was another animation so i know you gave me three i did only get a chance to watch one and actually it was the upbeat one so i went away and watched moana lucky you lucky, lucky you. me yeah lucky <laughs> you um yeah, I enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. I kind of knew the songs already. They're all over the radios when they came out in 2016. But yeah, really good story. Uh, which did watch it with my daughter, although it was very much me watching it as she ran in and out of the room. Um, so uh, technically she didn't watch it. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Really good story. I like the the culture as well. That's not probably yeah. shown on film that much. Um and the songs are great, really catchy, really good characters. The rocks in it. I mean, oh, yeah. it's all the signs hey, of a good film, really. The bit I love, uh, I can't remember for the life of me, but he, it's um, he's voiced by Jermaine Clement, the the giant tortoise. <laughs> Mate, some of the imagery in that when it does like the glow in the dark stuff and like yeah. his like hoard of treasure and stuff, it, the imagery is just absolutely beautiful in that piece is that, yeah that, like... i would have liked to have seen that on the big screen as well actually yeah because, oh, good, yeah i mean i so 
I always get mixed up modern days now. What what films are Pixar and what films are just yes. Disney? Yes. So this is just Disney, but I always get them mixed up. But the quality of the uh, animation is just as good, isn't it? Yes. It's, they both look fantastic. And this is, yeah, this is great. Um, they just can't put a foot wrong with the style these days, I don't think. No. Um, so, yeah, really enjoyed that as well. So it's oh, good. Enjoyed it. Good. Uh, good upbeat. Good, yeah, yeah, two good, solid, yeah. animated <laughs> recommendations. Done. Rather, rather than the usual fucking bleak, dark... <laughs> dredge of cinema but there you well, go. i'm just looking through my list i'm not sure i can promise that now oh, mate. Uh, actually go. it's here not too bad but let's let's see how we go right so got those uh, recommendations done thanks for raising that again i completely forgot That's we did right. that That's right. um, it's been a while since we've done this to be fair exactly um so we'll go on to our least favorites then and rattle through a handful that you've got so i'll go over to you first then what okay what what films aren't so good for 2009 so as I said, this year I was like knee deep in shit looking at the list of this year. So it was it was trying to trying to fish out the biggie biggest cornfield chunkiest piece of shits from this this year. I'm gonna dive right in, right to the deep end here. Okay. Ava- Avatar. Yeah, that's mine too. Fucking hated it. Didn't one of those films where it was like shoved down your throat so much it was advertised everywhere. It was like, oh my god, this is gonna be this breakthrough piece of cinema absolutely hated it didn't you know visually pretty cool a story that's been done a thousand times before the 3d which they were like oh my god revolutionary 3d don't really remember it much nope. uh bit weird at times as well the way they connect with animals like mm, little bit, yeah kind of little bit of bestiality but there you go you can look <laughs> into that you know oh, oh well but uh, but yeah so Enough said about Avatar because it's yep. just yeah it's had enough said but there's more to come that's the only thing there's more right. films to there's come like, and a video like, game yeah, there's like five sequels, and it's. I don't, it's, I don't so know who's, who that's for. Yeah, but it's like it came out what like well, 2009. Years ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, right, I don't know, there you go. James Cameron, bless him. He had, uh, you know, <laughs> he had he had his time, I suppose. But you know, fuck it. Um, yeah. So there's that. There was uh, the box. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. So so uh, Cameron Diaz. Uh, <laughs> yeah. James Marsden, uh, it just, the concept was pretty cool where it was like this couple receive a box and they're just instructed like, don't touch it, don't press the button. If you do, like your life will change and they decide to press the button, spoiler, and (laughs) the box is empty. So they're like, oh, well, okay, that's a bit weird because it's not connected to anything. Or is it? (laughs) And it just just gets shitter from down there. It's just a weird, weird film. It's not even, it it goes from intriguing to just weird for the sake of weird and just really fucking boring. So, and it's Cameron Diaz who I can't stand anything other than the mask. So there you go. Good fair point. Um, Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. Not seen that. I fucking loved the first Transformers film absolutely like I didn't I wasn't a fan of it as a kid because I think it was just kind of before my time is you know kind yeah. of a bit much more of an 80s thing um absolutely loved the uh, the original I thought it was absolutely you know lightning in a bottle and look really look forward to the sequels I remember seeing the trailer for this and being like oh my god they've like upscaled everything it's going to be even bigger than before you can have these massive machines you know and it was just fucking atrocious it was uh <laughs> it, it it just turned it like the first one had its it was a michael it's a michael bay film so it's got its yeah, action it's but, it's got its, but it's got its jokes it's got its funny things yeah. this was like a really shit comedy with action in it 
and they went completely the, the different dynamic and i just remember just being like this is awful like this is really really bad and it, which is a shame because again visually you've had these massive battles which are really cool but it was just yep. so so on the nose some of the jokes and stuff like that and just kind of just really really horribly cheesy that it's like nah sorry you've you've lost it sorry about that um all about steve what the hell is that mate i the less i say about it the better to be fair because fuck me this it's is a one terrible of those, title mate so <laughs> so sandra bullock is a crossword puzzle creator for a local <laughs> magazine sorry what the, no no listen this is genuine this is genuine sandra bullock is a crossword uh creator for a local newspaper who becomes obsessed with a news cameraman played by bradley cooper honestly honest, honestly honestly it is fucking atrocious this was one of those ones again when it was like i think i had a loo day i had a day off of work <laughs> so it's like yeah yeah you know i'd go see three or four films in a row because it was like no one else is about whatever and yeah. went to see this and it was just this was like coming off the heels of the hangover so it was like bradley cooper oh my god like yeah it's a comedy, mm. got to go see it, that. Yeah. And it was, like, fucking atrocious. I I implore you, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to say too much about it, go and read the plot on Wikipedia and just that read this, like... ridiculous. Just, just go and read the plot. It is, it was one of those films where it just, like, just got progressively shitter to the point where it's like, what, <laughs> what am I doing? Why am I paying for my unlimited card if this is the kind of shit I'm going to go see? So, but yeah, read, read, read the plot of it. That sounds it hilarious. Just, yeah. And the final one, uh, Case 39. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll put that as yeah. disposable so, horror, really. Yeah. So, again, story that's been done a million times before. Renee Zellweger, she's a social, uh, what do they call it? Uh, social services uh, officer, whatever you call it. Who's dealt, yeah. She's dealt with a case where this young girl's getting abused by her parents. They keep trying to kill her because they say she's a possessed. So, she decides to adopt her. Spoiler, the parents <laughs> might have been right. <laughs> and again, it had Bradley Cooper in it. He's just turning up in shit. Uh, but yeah, again, done a million times. The twist isn't much of a twist because it's like, oh, well, we, you know, it's it's pretty obvious that it's her the whole time, and there you go. But yeah, so that was just one of those films. Again, it was like, this is pretty fucking atrocious. Yeah, I, I don't I don't remember it being that bad. I mean, I remember coming in thinking, and it's going to be disposable horror. I remember Ian McShane's in this, the guy from uh, Deadwood. Yeah, yeah, he was okay in it, but yeah, yeah, it is low down on my list as well. It's yeah. not at the bottom, but yeah, yeah, nice, good list. So, firstly, I, yeah, I'm go not, on. not gonna lie, I could go on for an hour. Yeah, I, I'm, looking, I'm looking at the bottom of this list and I'm like <laughs> rattle through so many. Um, but yeah, Avatar is very, very low. It's oh. just, I, I, a part of me wants to go back to it to think, was I being you know harsh on it? But then it's like three hours long as well. Well, I think it's quite long, um, but I just I'm not sure I'm ready to do that yet. Um, so most of the lower ranking ones are there are a lot of horrors. So the 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 lowest film I rate ranked was called Penance. So so um, penis <laughs> penis. Um, <laughs> me and April, I think I I want to th- I want to say Blockbuster was still around at this point. I'm pretty sure it would have been. Oh yeah, mate. Blockbuster um, didn't shut down till like 2013, 2014. Oh okay. So yeah. So me um my wife and I used to do back in the Blockbuster days. We used to do 5 for 5 pounds. So five films for 5 quid. And we would purposely pick 
I bet you got some absolute stinkers. Yeah, purposely got like you know bargain bucket horrors, but yeah. we we love that stuff. Or we certainly used to just be like just watch anything, and this was one of them. And it was just at a trash. Uh, basically, uh, the the short summary is: a young mother decides to become a stripper to earn some fast cash, only to find out her worst nightmares are about to begin. <laughs> so, yeah, um, okay. it's pretty. It's more like torture porn stuff oh, but okay it's, but it's like just shit yeah it's not bad. got a story it's just done for effect and it's just gore, gore for the sake of gore kind of thing yeah um yeah, gotcha few of the quick horrors i won't go into the plots but it might ring a bell with some of them so the unborn um was terrible carriers is terrible the uninvited is terrible my bloody valentine 3d was quite funny but it's terrible yeah um a few of the other ones. I don't know if you saw these because these are ones that again just saw because I saw whatever. Gamer with Gerard yes. Butler. Yes. Um that was weird. It was that just was... weird, isn't it? I remember it's the yeah. days basically an online gamer, wasn't he? And it was kind of like you're fighting to survive your real life by like playing an... games and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, it was like an avatar. Yeah, I say it. like it was like a yeah, you were, it was like a surrogate that you were you were controlling an actual person in like an online game, wasn't yeah. it? Basically, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was like yeah, bit of fun, but it was pretty shit. Um, Twelve rounds. And this is early on in John Cena's career. Yeah, still never as seen an that. actor. Um, it has Aidan Gillen as well, which is probably best known from some stuff like The Wire. Yeah. Um, so he thought, oh, maybe a good good hor- uh, good villain. Sorry, and he does. He's always a good actor, but. Yeah, it's just very early in Cena's career. He's not quite... Killed that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so forgettable. I don't really remember what it's about. Um, and then the last one um, is 2012, which is that, like, <laughs> yeah. end of the world, because there was supposed to be some... Yeah, the, Ma- the Mayan calendar ran out in 2012. Something like so that. that was, and then, yeah. awkwardly, here we are in 2021, <laughs> yeah. where, uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I do like my um, end of the world destruction blockbusters, but... I think it's just it's. I remember. I'm pretty sure it's, it's quite long. Strong, it's, it's strong Cusack, isn't it? Yeah, it's got. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is very Woody long. Harrison. It, it's yeah. so long. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm just looking at it now. It's way over two hours long. Because um, they're the uh, they're the giant boats, don't they? The billionaires are going to get onto and that's float it. the. Yeah, that's right. I'm and it's just yeah. like these need to be short and concise and just get to the point. Like I don't want a two hour, two and a half hour, epic of it. It was just yeah, let down. So yeah, those were. Those are my terrible ones. Um, so let's go on to our top five then, if we're ready. Fair enough. Um, I'll throw it over to you then for your number five. Okay, so my number five uh, is the Guy Ritchie uh, uh, adaptation of Sherlock Holmes. Oh, nice one. Good choice. So I think this is kind of like that that kickoff for the... Uh, the resurrection of Robert Downey Jr. where he just started to play, obviously, you know, Tony Stark and he started to get a, bit, a few more major roles. And him as Sherlock Holmes, I think it's just absolutely brilliant. And I think mm. this is one of those, like, uh, a really good kind of adaptations of something that has been done a thousand times before. You know, there's so many different Sherlock Holmes movies and, you know, TV series and radio, you know, things and stuff like that. So for it to be brought out on the big screen again, with such a big cast, you obviously Robert Downey Jr., you've got Jude Law, Rachel McAdams, Mark Strong, uh, you know, but giving that kind of Hollywood Guy Ritchie touch mm. without it, without it being, 
without it being too Hollywood, and that sounds really stupid because it is still very Hollywood, but it's, it's I don't know, it's it does have a bit of authenticity behind it, stuff like that, I suppose. It's because they do a really good job of kind of doing the Victorian England and stuff like that and, you know, keeping true to the Sherlock Holmes character. Mm, yeah. Um, but no, I, I, you know, I love, I love mystery films. I love kind of, you know, that sort of, um, I love this kind of period of England as well. Uh, this kind of like, yeah. Um, yeah. Like that sort of late 1800s sort of, you know, Victorian sort of the, uh, the industrial revolution, London kind of mm. thing that like that dirty, gritty London sort of thing. So it was, you know, it was quite, you know, quite a, uh, good way they did the setting and stuff but but yeah this was just one of those ones where um like i said it had a stellar cast and it you know it, i i think the this is one of those films again where the cast are so good for the role as well so robert yeah. Downey jr as sherlock holmes you know playing the eccentric detective really well jude law as dr watson i think is you know really good counterpart yeah. um you got Mark Strong as uh, Lord Blackwood in this, who's who's ultimately the villain and stuff like that. And there's a lot, obviously, the kind of dinner with the macabre and um, sort of cults that were quite prevalent in uh, that kind of Victorian time. You know, that sort of um, the high society and their dark secrets and stuff like that, which you know you hear a lot about. You know, the kind of hidden, hidden, hidden side of London. But uh, but no, this is just one of those ones where, yeah, for for what it is, you know, for like I said, for the the mountains of shit that we saw in 2009. This is one of the ones that kind of topped it off at the end of the year that was like, actually, that was, yeah, really enjoyed that, really good. Uh, went on to make a sequel, which I really enjoyed as well. And I, I wish they kind of made more. And I think they are planning on doing so because I just think, yeah, Danny Jr., that role has just been so good. And I think there's a lot you could do, especially given that, yeah, Sherlock Holmes has been around for absolute decades and stuff like that. And there's a lot of stories and a lot of tales you could tell from it. So nice. uh, yeah. So that was my my number five. Nice. Good choice. I I've I've only seen it once. I definitely saw it that year at the cinema. Mm. Um but I've never got back to it. I've never seen the second one actually. Second one's um, really good. Book of Shadows? Is that what it's yes. That's yeah. it. Uh, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Something, something, yeah. Something with shadows. Yeah. Um but yeah no good choice. Um so my number five i don't know if you've seen this and if not this could be your recommendation so my number five is uh i never say his name right armando iwanucci film is it death of stalin no it's in the loop oh okay in the loop so basically and i know you are if you're a fan of the thick of it the political comedy uh on uh bbc bbc yes yeah yeah Um, yeah they basically made uh, the the guy who wrote it, uh, Iwanucci, made a film of that and has stars P- Peter Capaldi in there. It's the same guy. Um, it's just a, a, a movie's worth of it, and it's absolutely hilarious. So, I need to watch this. Basically, the plot is it's U.S. president, so it goes over to America as well. So you've got American politics and British politics mixing together. Uh, the plot is U.S. president and U.K. prime minister are planning on launching a war in the Middle East. But behind the scenes, which is pretty much what the whole of the thick of it is, uh, government officials and advisors are either promoting the war or trying to prevent it. And knowing what, knowing that you know what the thick of it is like, you can just imagine, you know, if you think of it is on a smaller scale, this is on the, you know, the brink of war scale. Um, but it's very much like, kind of like Doctor Strange Love as well. If you've seen that, it's, you know, very serious in the subject matter of what they're talking about. You know, they're talking about war. Um, and in Doctor Strange after the hydrogen bomb and stuff like that. But all of it is kind of undercut with this ridiculous humour. Um, you've got Steve Coogan in there as well. You've even got um, J- 
James Gandolfini. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the right, generals, yeah. I think. Yeah, in there. yeah. And he's quite funny. I particularly remember there's a scene where he's, I think he's like, this is a long time since I've seen it, but I'm pretty sure there's a scene where he's trying to explain like a really serious scenario, but using like kids' toys to explain it. And it's just, yeah, it's just hilarious. So, so Chris Addison is in it, who's obviously in the series as well. So there's a lot of characters you know, familiar characters yeah, from the thick backs. of it that you would you would recognise straight away. But obviously, Peter Capaldi's at the heart of it, and he's kind of the uh, the main guy, I would say, in the thick of it series. So he kind of, you know, he's one of the main guys in this as well. So yeah, In the Loop is brilliant. Um, I don't think it gets remembered that well. There's a um, other big comedies this year as well, but I think it gets slightly under the radar. Um, but yeah, In the Loop is brilliant. So yeah, if you haven't seen it, definitely check that one out. So is it, sorry, is it Malcolm Tucker still? Is he still, or is it like new characters? No, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Malcolm Tucker. Okay. Um, oh, mate, I'm if pretty it's, if sure. It's, if... it's a long time ago, but I'm, I mean, he's pr- Capaldi's pretty much playing the same guy, so he's got to be Malcolm Tucker, yeah. Right, okay, I was going to say, because if it's like, do you remember, okay, here's a question, kind of off topic. Did you ever see Good Burger? What, the Keenan and Kel thing? Yeah. Yeah. See that that I couldn't get into I could not get into my mind as a child. It was like, why are they not Keenan and yeah. Kel? Yeah. Like you can't be anyone they, else. No, it's Keenan and Kel's different characters. Yeah, but why are they not Keenan and Kel? Like it's like do you know what I mean? Like it's but yeah. So that's why I was kind of like, is it Malcolm Tucker? If it's going to be like a political thing with Capaldi, is he the same role or is it a completely different thing? But, yeah. uh, but there you go. No, no he's, he's definitely. I just checked. It is definitely Malcolm Tucker. So right, room okay. for a treat. I, that's fresh Malcolm Tucker material for you. I I uh, I think you know. I think I said to you before. I rewatched uh, in the thick of it recently. I did a rewatch of it and that, and I just forgot how just so hilarious funny. Peter Capaldi is in that role. So this so is funny. This is going in on the recommendation and could be potentially the one to uh, to watch in that. So nice, yeah. cool. So that is my number five. So back to you for your number four. Uh, so my number four is the only Bradley Cooper film that I saw in 2009 that was decent, The Hangover. All right. So this is my number four as well. So let's let's oh, talk about happy it. Days. I remember uh, seeing the trailer for this, and it's one of those things where it's like it's a comedy. I don't recognise any of the actors. It looks okay. Could be, you know, could be a decent watch. Give it a chance, whatever. And thought, fuck me, that is one of the funniest films I've ever seen. Just, just it for me, you know. I, I don't, I, I can't remember anything ever like it in the, in the, in the sense of the story and stuff like that. You know, you've, you've had these kind of bachelor party and like Las Vegas films before, but I don't think yeah. I've ever seen one where it's kind of like a bit of a, a uh, bit of a uh, mystery one almost, like a bit of a kind of a. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's just, you know, obviously the different hijinks that the guys get into. So for anyone who's not seen it, and, you know, I think everybody has seen it, but nonetheless, uh, four guys go on a bachelor part, uh, bachelor weekend to Las Vegas. Uh, they have an absolutely mental night of debauchery and end up losing the uh, groom. And they have no idea where he is. And they're basically searching back through their night before trying to piece together what happened to try and find where um, the groom is before his wedding the next day and it's just yeah it's uh bradley cooper ed helm zach Galavanakis, uh you've got mike tyson in it as well yep. jeff jeffrey tambor it's just it's absolutely brilliant and just you know and obviously it spurred off you know a couple of sequels that get progressively shitter as it oh, always mate. does with 
as it always does with like amazing comedies where they make sequels where like they'll make a sequel and it may be good it may be just you know and then they make a third one it's like nah you should have stopped just you're milking you're milking the cow now for, yeah. for what it, where it's left and all but this was just absolutely brilliant you know Zach Galifianakis I think this was like an absolute standout role for him of, uh, you know as Alan uh, you know the quick, quirky, weird bro- uh, brother-in-law, of the or future brother-in-law of the of the, uh, the groom and stuff who's who's tagging along. Um, but yeah, I thought you know it's just one of those things again, kind of going in with it, kind of not really knowing much about it, not really knowing much of the cast, and just absolutely blown away by it. And just one of those, I think it's I think it's fair to say it's one of those like very big pop culture films now. Oh yeah, like you know it, you know it's one of those things again. Everybody kind of you know. I'll go to Las Vegas to do the hangover kind of thing. You know, it is that kind of bar uh, yeah. for those kind of films now. But, um, but yeah, absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I, 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 um, I juggled with whether I wanted to put this or in the loop at number four or number five, because it's both comedies, both different types of humor. Um, but I've probably seen the hangover a lot more. Yeah. Um, and certainly oh, yeah. it's, it's my wife, one of my wife's favorite films. She used to watch it all the time uh, when we, uh, started going out and uh, so, so it, to a degree has made me hate the film because she literally could know it word for word yeah. but um, yeah I remember the first time I saw it at the cinema again pretty much considering the cast that you know we know uh, the people more now like especially Bradley Cooper he's probably done the, the best out of all of them um, but at the time they were relatively unknown certainly Zach Galifianak- Galifianakis yeah. probably you know he got done really well from this and done like due date and stuff after this yeah um so yeah i I just think it's really funny it's just really good laughs um it's just kind of non-stop as well it's like yeah there's just joke after joke or stupid scenario after stupid scenario and it's an easy watch you can kind of just throw it on can't you and and enjoy it oh yeah um and obviously when i when i'd gone to vegas a couple of years ago so we were going, oh, there's that bit where that happens and finding out, you know, going into Caesar's palace where he says, does Caesar actually live here? Or something yeah. Like that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's great fun. It is great fun. Um, you're right. I mean, it does get worse. Second one is okay. But yeah. the third one is just like, stop, please yeah. stop. Oh, there is yeah, no need sure. to do this anymore. You can only do that whole gimmick so many times before it just gets completely boring. So yeah. So yeah, so we looks like we got the same pick then, number four for Hangover then. Um, so that throws it back to you then for your number three. So my number three is the true story of how um, basically we overthrew the Nazi regime in Germany back in World War Two. It is the reimagining of uh, that story by Quentin Tarantino. It's Inglorious Bastards. Mm. Nice. I didn't realise that this uh, this was a based on a true story that everything that happened is absolutely true and you know <laughs> I genu- I genuinely had someone at work was like, I never knew Hitler died like that. That's mental, isn't it? And it's like idiot. It's not how Hitler died, though. That's that's it's not that's not what happened. This isn't a, it's not it's not based on yeah, a true story. It's not it's not a documentary, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, in Glorious Bastards. So a little bit of a confession here. This is actually the first ever Quentin Tarantino film I ever watched. What? That I is know. mad. I know, I know. Uh, I, yeah, I know, I know. Wait, I, wait, I, at the cinema or ever? Ever. This is worse, ever. okay. I know, I apologise. But this is like, again, this is like me peak, 
getting into films and like making sure I could watch them and buying DVDs stuff like that. I've since sure. Yeah, yeah, you so keep I, digging, mate. Go on. I know. I apologise. I apologise. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah. So this is the first first one I ever saw, and we talk about you know standout performances with uh, you know Zach Hangover, Christoph Waltz in this film. Yes. Oh my god. So just to kind of go through what the, the plot is of this. So um, during the the height of the uh, the Nazi regime in uh, in across uh, Europe, a band of um, Jewish soldiers are sent over straight into the heart of uh, Germany to base, or sorry, into France, sorry, uh, to basically, they find a, a plot to basically capture and kill Hitler while he's at a cinema watching the latest propaganda film by Goebbels uh, about a young sniper who, I think he killed something like 150 US soldiers and he's been invited to the, the public, sorry, the private viewing of the film itself, so they, they hear that uh, they get the chance to kill Hitler in a theatre. Um, spoiler, doesn't necessarily go to plan, but it does in a certain way as well, and you've got the hilarious, hilarious bit where they're trying to uh, be uh, the Italian uh, film crew, like, Goliano! Buongiorno! Buongiorno! But yeah, so... Uh, it's it's got one of the most tense opening scenes oh my God. I think Easy. I've ever seen. Like not just in a Tarantino film, and Tarantino is brilliant for those kind of very um, very tense just conversations, just yeah. talking pieces between characters. So the film, you know, just to kind of not to give too much away, but the film starts with Christoph Waltz, who is this um, high-ranking. They call him the Jew, the Jew hunter, and he basically is kind of his, his expertise is seeking out hiding places or where there could be Jewish families hiding. And he's interacting with this farmer and it's one of these conversations that it's fit. It feels normal. It feels it, you know, it's a normal conversation yep. between an SS officer and somebody he's interrogating. And it just, something just doesn't feel right the entire way. You just can't sit comfortably watching this interaction because it's just not, there's just something not quite right. Yeah. And it just, yeah, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. You've got, um, again, absolutely brilliant cast in this. You've got Brad Brad Pitt, who plays Aldo the Apache, who's the head of the, the Bastards. You've got Christoph Waltz, as I said, as uh, the Jew Hunter. You've got uh, Michael Fassbender. You've got yeah. Michael Myers. You've got uh, Diane Kruger. You've got BJ Novak. You've got... Uh, Eli Roth is in there as well, isn't Eli he? Roth, yeah. Julie, uh, Julia Dreyfus. You've got... Uh, I'm just looking through some of the names now. Daniel Bruhl, as uh, as everyone will know him now, as Baron Simo from the uh, the Marvel Universe. Uh, but yeah, just absolutely, it's... Again, they they play it off so well with like the, the settings and just... Uh, just that kind of nostalgia. And again, you know, I said about the Victorian London, I love World War Two as well. I love that kind of setting and stuff yeah. as well. And I think, you know, this kind of, again, height of the Nazi regime sort of thing and like that occupied Europe, uh, they played on really well. And again, this is, you know, other than that opening scene, there is, again, so, so many scenes that are so tense and just make you feel so on edge. Um, again, with Christoph Waltz, uh, you know, his interrogation yeah. of someone where it's it's seemingly innocent, but at the drop of a hat, it becomes like, oh, my God, like you could just feel yourself just tensing up. Uh, the scene the... I remember that's tense is the 
I can't remember if it's three or four when he puts his fingers up, but he does it in a certain yeah, way that yeah. gives him away that that's he's it. not a German or no, that's not it. a Nazi, sorry. Uh, that it. scene was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, there's a bit when the British soldier are rendezvousing with uh, some of their contacts in a German, uh, sorry, in a bar in, in Paris, and it's just, yeah, just absolutely just nail-biting the entire time. But again, the brutality, it's, it's, Tarant- it's World War Two a Tarantino twist because there is some yeah. absolute brutal bits. So... Um, there's one bit where they're interrogating Nazi soldiers to find out what the location of where you know they're they're stationed, and the you know the, the kind of the, the muscle of the the group, a guy called the Bear Jew, he his favourite thing is to beat the shit out of uh, Nazi soldiers with a baseball bat that he's brought from home, and there is a bit when he does that, and they don't shy away from showing it. He literally beats the fuck out of a Nazi soldier with this baseball bat. And it is in that classic Tarantino kind of like no shying away of just how brutal it is. Um, but yeah, I, I apologise profusely to everybody out there. This was the first Quentin Tarantino film I saw. <laughs> I have made up for it since, I promise. But yeah, this for me was just absolutely brilliant. Just It was just amazing setting, amazing cast, amazing storytelling, amazing Aussie twist on, on, you know, on, on how it ended and all. Yeah. Um, but overall, just, just absolutely enjoyed it. Well, I've got a potentially equally as bad confession as well is okay. i've only ever seen this the one time at okay. the cinema um, oh wow okay yeah so i might have to take that as my potential recommendation to go back and watch it because okay. i've always wanted to go back and watch it because it's not in my top five purely for that reason because i don't i didn't i don't remember not liking it i just don't remember if i really enjoyed it or not um so i, I need to go back and, and see if i what i think of it now i think so, uh, no, it's a good shout uh, as your number three then. Um, so, yeah, I'll make a mental note for that one. Um, okay, so my number three is, I, I think you've seen this. I'm pretty sure I talk about this quite a lot. So my number three is District 9. Ooh, okay. I, uh, I really enjoyed District 9. I saw this twice at the cinema, which, knowing me, I don't really tend to see films twice let alone twice at the cinema um yeah but caveat to this this is quite a bleak film so i can imagine you were laughing your head off the entire it's way not that bleak laughing like, this guy's <laughs> life is ruined <laughs> it's not that bad it's quite funny in parts as well but anyway it is, it is, yeah um so the plot is um uh, aliens arrive to earth and they take refuge in south africa um in an area called district nine where the aliens are managed by the multinational United, which is unconcerned with the aliens' welfare, but will do anything to master their advanced technology. Uh, when a company field agent, which is played by Shalto Copley, um, con- contracts a mysterious virus that begins to alter his DNA, there is only one place he can hide in District 9. So, um, firstly, I loved the setting of South Africa. Again, not really a place in movies or uh, cinema shown that much. And also to have it as a sci-fi alien film, Mm. I thought was a a unique combination. Um, So that was a big draw for me. I'm a big sci-fi alien fan as well. Also, I'm a big, I was, after I'd seen this, a big Charlton Copley fan, which I don't think we see that much of him in now. Um, he was in quite a bit because he ended up being in like the A team, didn't he? Yeah. And he's kind of just disappeared. Like I haven't seen him in anything in a yeah. very long time. I mean, 
it's probably in yeah i think 18 was probably the bigger one i remember do you remember we we saw hardcore henry and he was in there yes and he did that come was back. yes yeah he, he was very he good came he came in quite a bit he, didn't he he kept he kept you, you weren't really sure who what his character was because he kept reappearing as different that's it that's right yeah he was i liked him in that that was yeah good. that's another underrated film we'll probably yeah. don't think we've, we've covered that year yet but uh hardcore henry is a good great fun uh, I think so, it was like 2014, I think it was. Yeah, like that. Um, yeah that was... Um... So, so yeah, I don't think he's out there as much. I think A-Team is probably the most mainstream he's got um, since then. I think, I don't know if he has been, but he seems primed for a Marvel role at some point as a side character. I think he'd be perfect yeah. in that universe somewhere. Wait, I, um, I, I could definitely see him as like, a, especially in that Hardcore Henry, because he was kind of a bit of a... He was a good guy at times, but he's a bit of a sadistic person at times mm. as well. So I think he could be quite a good um, side character of some kind. Yeah, all, but... definitely. But yeah, District 9, I think, is great. Um, it's it's equally parts um, messed up. There's a particular scene. Any scene that involves like taking your nail off, off your fingernails, um, I can't watch it. And I remember there's a scene in here where he has to do that for whatever reason. I think it's when he's been... <laughs> Uh, infected by that virus he feels it, like he's he start his body's starting to fall apart yeah it kind of reminds me of the fly with yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's Jeff Goldblum yeah there's kind of that throwback of like his, his like metamorphosis between him and him becoming the creature and like his like genetics changing and stuff like that yeah. and the, the yeah there's well, definitely a throwback but, to that exactly and there's also this comedic element where he keeps calling them the fucking prawns <laughs> yeah, the whole way fuck, through fucking, fucking prawns it's just brilliant um but yeah it's uh I really enjoyed it. I think it's a quite a, it's, it is it is a sad ending, um, but I think it's quite a unique story. I think it even started. I think it was Neil uh, Blomkamp who directed this. It started off as a short film and then you know mm. got more money into making it on a bigger budget. I don't think he's really done that much since he did the film Chappie, which is actually not too bad. It stars oh, I didn't Hugh Jackman, um, which is. Yes, it's not too bad. It's not quite District 9 for me. And he's also done Elysium, which I haven't seen. That's the Matt Damon one. That I actually enjoyed. That was actually quite a... Um, if you like your science fiction, and you, uh, that was very good. And that was another very sort of class-based science fiction where it's mm. like the rich have got this and the poor have got... yeah next to nothing kind of thing that was that was actually a really good one i, ch- I would i would i know it's obviously not this year but i would recommend yeah. that as one to watch yeah and I, might, I might take that away as well but yeah there is still you know you can watch this film in one way you can watch it as entertainment in a way in a good story but there is other things going on like you said this whole class thing they essentially the the aliens come to earth as to kind of um, get away from their dying planet but are actually treated like prisoners as soon as they get here they're yeah. put into like shanty town and basically bullied and harassed and well it's refugees on an intergalactic basis isn't it it's, exactly it's it's refugees escape escaping from somewhere that's dying or you know that they can't live anywhere they go to a different society and they're treated like shit and they're you yeah. know they're, they're no worse off than they were back home kind of thing yeah exactly but it's also got this like mech fantasy that they seem to have in all of his films like like in Chappie where he's got that the robot called Chappie mm. and you've got um, Elysium, where Matt Damon's got basically that thing plugged into the back of his head, but in here you've got like mechs fighting as well. And there's a lot of like shooting as well. So, uh, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great fun. It's got a good story. Um, it the, did bring Shalto um, out there as a, an actor to. Uh, yeah, I'm really surprised he's not done more to be honest. Um, but yeah, I think it. I think it's a great film. Um, like I said, I've seen it a few times now. 
and uh, yeah, I had to put it in the list. So yeah, I'll put it down as my uh, number three. That's a good one. I might, I might put that on as a rewatch. To be fair. Yeah, it's it is good. It's good fun. So uh, yeah, so that's my number three. What have you got down as your number two then? So my number two is the reboot of Star Trek. Oh, I thought that's being here. So uh, I think I said before many times i'm not a trekkie never been a trekkie always a star mm. wars guy you know never had any interest in star trek at all i know it sounds really stupid and i'm pretty sure i've said this before i love star wars as a kid absolutely obsessed with it absolutely yep. you know absolutely love star wars i always thought star trek was a bit nerdy a bit geeky yes. which is which is really really <laughs> funny like really funny for me to what say in the first instance yeah, yeah. so the fact is like yeah but star wars isn't exactly fucking sports day you know like <laughs> It's you know it's a bit kind of you know yeah there you go but I always thought Star Trek was like it's a bit it's a bit geeky that is like that's a bit of a you know but there you go so you know but whatever um, I don't know how particularly Trekkies feel about this I know like I, I've seen a little bit about it where it's kind of split down the middle where it's like they love what they've done but there's other obviously the true people that are like no you've done this you've done this like it's which. In all fairness, we've had the same treatment with the Star Wars films now. You know, JJ yeah, Abr- yeah, yeah. Abrams, we put all our trust in him, and he even came out recently and said, Yeah, we probably should have had a plan. Like, dick. dick? Yeah, exactly. You, you fucking think so, but there you go. But so we've had that treatment, so fair enough. But this, this Star Trek, again, this was again one of the first, I think this is like, I want to say, honestly, this is probably like the third or fourth, fourth film I went to see with a limited card because it was like, I'm not a Trekkie, but I've got this card yeah. now. I can mm-hmm. go see it. doesn't cost me anything any any more than what it would do. And again, just not really a cast I knew, kind of out of the loop of the whole Star Trek thing. And absolutely, I ended up going to see this, I think like four, maybe five times at the cinema. Oh, wow. Because I just absolutely fucking loved it. I thought this is absolutely brilliant. It was a, it was, uh, a proper, a proper swashbuckling, space adventure that just i just absolutely fell in love with i thought it was absolutely brilliant and again i don't know how how, what it's on the scale of you know from from a true trekkie fan and whether or not that's a good thing going in with it kind of blinded by not really knowing that universe and not knowing that actually that thing doesn't make sense because in the original yeah yeah, you know but again but again as a Star Wars fan, where they've done things now, when it's like, oh yeah, but you shouldn't do that with a Mandalorian because, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. I'm in that same fucking nerdy shell as well, so I get it. But this, as a film, again, not really knowing the cast, and again, the cast going to do quite big things now, especially like, like Chris Pine, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Zachary Quinto. You've got uh, Simon Pegg. Uh, you've yeah. got Eric, Eric Banner, who's an absolutely brilliant villain in this. As, uh, as uh, um, oh yeah, he's the villain, isn't he? Yeah, that's it. As uh, Nero, the uh, the Romulan, uh, you know. And again, there was little little things that they mentioned, like the Klingon. Obviously, things that you know, even if you're not a Star Trek fan, you know about things and stuff like that. You know, you can kind of little tweaks. And but, uh, Thor's in this as well, isn't he? Yes, yeah, Chris, he- Chris Hemsworth. Absolutely, is that him yeah. at the start? Yeah, yeah. Chris Hemsworth plays. Uh, um, uh, James T. Kirk's dad in like the first five minutes of the film gets killed and it's mad and you think Chris Hemsworth where he is now it's just Mm. insane Uh, but yeah pre-Thor Chris Hemsworth but yeah I just remember absolutely loving this I remember loving the score for this uh, the visuals for this as well with the whole kind of time travel um, you know playing with the time travel thing as well 
Um, yeah, just again, just being a, a card carrying Star Wars fan for the, lo- the longest time, seeing mm. this and just instantly being like, fuck me, this is amazing. Just how much I loved it. Nice. Um, it was funny as well. Like, you know, again, you've got some really, you know, quite funny bits in it as well. Carl Urban is absolutely brilliant. I, I can't. Yeah, he's good. I, Carl Urban is one of the most underrated actors, I think, ever. And I, he's, there's so many things you could tie him into that have just been so, so well, uh, you know, as a character. You know, he plays Bones in this and obviously kind of a bit of comic relief and a bit of, you know, the, um, you know, the comic relief sidekick to uh, to uh, James T. Kirk is obviously the medical, you know, head of medical uh, on the ship and stuff. But, but yeah, I just thought absolutely brilliant. You know, like, like I said, a really cool swashbuckling space mm. adventure not really knowing much about the law behind it, but really enjoying it. And, you know, again, we'll do it. I think we've, I think we touched on it when we did the 2013 episode, but the yeah. sequel in, into darkness, fuck me. Yeah. Just un- unbelievable. Great. Unbelievable. One of those rare films where you could argue the sequel is better than the original. Um, I think so. But yeah, and that's, and that's, this is why it's kind of a dagger in the heart a little bit, because it's, again, I don't know what it's like from a Star Trek fan. I don't, I'm not speaking like that. Yeah, yeah, I love, sure. I love this. But as a Star Wars fan, seeing what could be done with reboots and it just seeing it be like, you know, don't be wrong. The, the Star Wars as wasn't rebooted. It was an additional trilogy. But to me, it was kind of a reboot because it's yeah, like yeah. bringing people back it, in. Yeah. And obviously J.J. Abrams at the helm and just kind of falling flat on its ass and just like, you know, just not what it should have been in that. So. I, I thought as well, again, I prior to this, I'd never watched anything Star Trek only in passing. Like, I knew, you know, just from uh you know modern culture of who spock yes. was and kirk was and that sort of thing and you know <laughs> I, I i got a lot of my star trek references and knowledge and probably same as you from the simpsons yeah, when they made exactly. like yeah <laughs> you know, the one with the nimoy comes in a few times doesn't he so <laughs> yeah, exactly um so yeah Never i knew lie. i knew very much <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah i knew very much of star trek and i came out of watching this film thinking maybe it's not as nerdy as i think it yeah. is um, and stop giving it a bit of a hard time. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, enjoyed this as well. And I, yeah, I particularly remember liking Into Darkness uh, even more. Um, but yeah, it's a good example of how a, how a rebooted right. series of a well loved franchise can be done well. Yeah, basically. massively, massively. And yeah, this is just one of those ones where I, could, you know, I watch this time and time again. Just really thoroughly enjoyed it, and just. Again, didn't really go into knowing too much about the lore behind it or ever being a fan and just absolutely loving it to the, you know, and uh, yeah, just really, really, really enjoying it. Nice. Good. Nice. Good choice. Um, I might have to put that down as a rewatch as well. I'd like to go, I'd like yeah. to go watch those three again. I remember the third one just being kind we of okay. See, I, I think we went to see the third one, didn't we? And like, yeah, the, third, the third, yeah, the third one was your, your third one was Monster of the Week as a film. Yeah. As in like, yeah, like an episode, uh, just a big episode yeah pretty but much yeah, but, but yeah. not bad just okay no. just yeah, yeah exactly okay, it's fair to say cool okay right so i'm gonna go on to my number two then now i'm i hope this is your number one if it's not i'll be a bit annoyed this isn't in your top five but we'll see how we go um my number two is up the pixar movie have Never you not seen it oh you son of right <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. This is my number one. This yes, is my number okay. one. Yeah. Okay. So let me rattle on and we'll throw it back to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so Up is just one of Pixar's best, I think. Um, 
So I'd quickly do the plot for those who may or not have seen this. So Carl Fredrickson spent his entire life dreaming of exploring the globe and experiencing life to its fullest. But at age 78, life seems to be passing him by. Instead of twist of fate, as a uh, a persistent eight-year-old wilderness explorer named Russell gives him a new lease on life. So it's probably worth saying this has got one of the most heartbreaking introductions oh, to a film I have ever it, seen without barely any words being yeah. mentioned. It is it, this poor. is this is for me kind of looking back. So when I, I looked I looked through the Pixar filmography before this. Mm. This is when on that cusp of when they started doing the like Let's fuck some shit up. Let's let's, <laughs> let's let's destroy your heart. Yeah, this is when Pix. This is like the like the like the kind of early inception of when it was like Pixar were like we're making a shitload of money for these films. It's like yeah, we want tears though. We want <laughs> we don't want money anymore. We want tears like because the the film before this was Wally, right? And Wally isn't a sad film. It's it's you know it's it's quite yeah. Funny it has film, a message you know? and all that stuff, but not yeah. necessarily remembered as being sad. But this is that first one when it's like, <laughs> I cry, yeah. cry, cry, yeah. cry for us. Like, I mean, like before that, you know, Bugs Life, not a sad film. Toy Story, whoa. not a sad <laughs> film. <laughs> but up, I just remember the first like, it is like the first five or ten minutes and they go through losing a child, um, like all these adult things that I just... But it's it, wasn't I, 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 by this point wasn't expecting in a Pixar film, you know, aware of that they exist, but... And it's I think not it hit, the film I would expect them to be shown in, but is done very, very well. And I think it hits so hard so quickly because it starts so happy as well. Because you've yeah. got Carl, Carl and his wife meeting when they're children. Uh, you know, he, you know, he's he's quite a sk- skittish, shy child, and she's like this eccentric, like mad child. And they, you know, they they you know fall in love with each other, and you've got them getting married, and they've got them yeah. starting a life. And then, yeah, as you said, and it goes bang. into that. Yeah, then it goes into like the almost like a montage of them like buying the house, decorating, like all these happy things. And then it was like, okay, here we go. Like mm-hmm. sil- yeah. silent montage. It just, yeah, yeah heartbreaking. It's, it's so, so tough. And it's, it, it's, but what it does good well at is a good balance of that and humor as well. It's actually really funny in parts. Oh, yeah. The talking dog just absolutely gets me every time. <laughs> it's so, so funny. Um, and even just the uh, the eight year old that uh, goes along with him, just how they bounce off of him and Carl being the you know miserable old man stereotype, yeah. they bounce off each other really well, and their relationship develops throughout the film. And obviously, you know, has the iconic um, visual of the house being lifted away by balloons. I think it's just fantastic. It's just such a good story as well. It's like life's you know kind of life's too short. Make sure you see what you can before it's all yeah. gone, um, and you know well, you're, never, you're never too old to do what you've always dreamed of as well. Exactly, like, there's, yeah. there's so many there's things l- you can pull from yeah. the plot, um, and it's just it's absolutely brilliant. And it's it, gone. No, I was just going to say, like, no, that you're spot on. Like, there's a lot of stuff that you can take from the film and just being like uh, visually, oh my god, like yeah, the, that first visual when all the balloons pop out and like burst out of the like the the like covering that he's got and you know just yeah. how yeah. colorful and magic it is and then obviously whether in the forest as well um or sorry in the in the jungle should i say but like it's um i, re- I remember like or like really embarrassingly losing it in the cinema 
over one scene where you know when you know when you're watching a film and there's something that something funny happens and it and it shouldn't be so funny but for some reason it just takes you by surprise so much that you can't stop laughing and then every time you think about it it sets you off again like it just so there's one scene where when uh, Carl first discovers that Russell's on the house and he's thinking like how do I get rid of this kid there's a bit when he's like I know what I'll do I'll tie all my sheets together make a rope and I can lower him down because we're we're coming near a city so I can lower him down and he can like you know hold onto a building or I can drop him onto a building and like you don't realize it but you know he's he's putting these sheets together he makes this long rope and he's like lowering Russell down and he accidentally lets go and he's like oh my god I've killed him and then like it flashes back to the fact that actually that was just in his mind it was just like just a vision that he had and it wasn't real but I don't know why it tickled me so much that I was just absolutely pissing myself with the cinema and then like every time I thought about it thereafter I would just like absolutely crack up it was just such an unexpected thing of this old man like dropping this child out of a out of a out of a floating house I would be like oh shit actually no I can't do that I'll kill him like just like but um but yeah, just yeah, absolutely, absolutely visually beautiful film. And again, it's like I said, it's on that cusp of where Pixar didn't, you know, they weren't going after the heart wrenching, horrible. Because even after this, the next film after this was Toy Story three, oh, and yeah. that was like that was like get your fucking hankies out for this one, like you know. But um, but yeah, absolutely brilliant film. Um, it's got a very good cast of characters as well. I like the. Um, um, it's Kirk. It's Kirk Douglas, isn't it? Who plays? Um, no, it's. Um, no, I think Kirk it's Douglas. Christopher Plummer. That's it, Christopher Plummer. Sorry, yeah. Christopher Plummer, who's like the explorer that Cole idolizes. A kid who did like the radio adventures of him, That's like it. exploring, exploring these wonderful unknown worlds, and they, you know, they find him in the jungle, basically. Um, but yeah, there's just a, there's just a lot of cool stuff in it, and that, and it is, yeah, it's a very very sweet story. With, you know, quite a. Very, 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 very sad start, but um, yeah, yeah, ultimately you know, one, of, I, one of Pixar's best. I think I was going to say it's definitely top tier Pixar for me. Um, it's yeah, I I think if I watched this again, I probably would skip the intro. It's that much. It's so that um, yeah, upsetting really. I just I just couldn't believe, and it's a credit to Pixar that they've. It's a brave choice to to, to open with that really, because that is such could be put people off because it is quite heavy you know stuff to, it, to open with really yeah I, I remember it kind of taking me back a bit because uh yeah. i went to go see it with my friend albano we, you know we used to go see him all the time and you don't expect it it was it was such a like out of nowhere kind of like oh shit that's like again and it's one of those things where you know you're right it's quite a brave thing to do because it's not something they kind of like Oh, they've had some sad news, but you don't know what it could be like. It's left to your imagination, kind of thing. Like yeah. it's like, no, they're in a they're in a fertility clinic. They're in, you know, it's it, it's pretty obvious what's happened. Um, and it's like, fuck, like that's some really heavy stuff. Like not yeah. just not just for a film, but a Disney film but as well. Again, like, it's, it's just it's, they don't use any words. From what I remember, no. it's all visual. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. It's an international thing. It could be whatever country you're watching it. You know anyone can relate to that and i think that is what's so powerful about what pixar could do especially their short films they a lot a new a numerous amount of their short films are wordless so anyone can watch it and relate to it from whatever cultural background you have the the score plays a big part in that as well though yeah yeah i really really, really set in that 
yeah, that score is fantastic as well. But yeah, Up is just, yeah, like I said, top tier uh, Pixar for me, definitely. Um, okay, so so that was my number two and your number one. Um, so which brings me back to my number one now. Avatar. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> fucking way. What number one worst film? Um, so my number one is, I guess, the reason I picked it is a bit more of a a personal film. I don't wouldn't necessarily say it's an amazing film, but um, well, we'll throw it out there. Um, so my number one is Five Hundred Days of Summer. Oh, which I never thought I'd love as much as I do um, and I'll explain why so um, plot first of all so Tom is a greeting card writer and hopeless romantic is caught completely off guard when his girlfriend Summer suddenly dumps him he reflects on their 500 days together to try and figure out where their love affair went sour and in doing so Tom rediscovers his true passions in life so the re firstly is very much a guy's rom-com which I don't think exists out there or very very few and far between um and not necessarily a genre i know much or watch much of um but (laughs) yeah liar um but and this is gonna sound cringy but it's i've never related to a film more in my life at a certain point in my life as well um it was yeah Really? Especially at the cinema, oh, 100%. So wow. it was more like, it was it was one of those strange moments where it's like, is, are you talking to me? Uh, I could relate to this guy. And that sounds uh, so cringy to say, but it feels like the film was made for me. Um, you know, the music in the soundtrack was the music I was listening to at that point. There's a lot of the Smiths in there as well, which again, I was very much getting into, it. you know, 2009. I would have been, what, 20 so just out of the teens um and you know the relationship was similar to a relationship i was going through at that time it just kind of it was so strange like all the music and i could relate to the character that joseph gordon levitt plays quite well um and also zoe deschanel plays the titular summer in this as well um but yeah it's such a good film um I haven't really gone back to it that recently because I wonder if it's, you know, a film I enjoyed because of the time I saw it rather than if I watched it now, yeah, would I relate what it was? Yeah. Would I relate yeah. to the guy I was back then, you know, over, you know, 10, over 10 years ago. Um, but I very much came out of that going, wow, that is, that's, that film has spoken to me somehow. And the, the soundtrack, like I said, it, on its own is fantastic. You've got the Smiths, uh, Wolf Mother, um, Regina Spector, there's a, a wide variety of different genres of music on there that work really well. Um, it just, yeah, it was just a weird, it was one of those weird things where for some reason that film just spoke to you, spoke to me. And I hate saying that, it sounds disgusting to say it. No, but mate, I had, the, I, had, it, I had the same watching, uh, you know, watching Drive because, you know, <laughs> I'm very much like Ryan Gosling's character in that film. A lot yes, of people mate. said, yeah, like I, you know, I like to drive. I like, you know, I do. You, you know, like stomping kind of... people's heads in elevators. Yeah, yeah, you know, I like I like to listen to cool synth music while driving at night. You know, I just that mate, I, I get it. I absolutely get it. So you know, <laughs> shut up. Um, but yeah, I yeah, I think I 
think it's great. I think it's a hard sell, perhaps, for, you know, saying it's a guy rom-com from 2009. But, um, yeah, I think even the soundtrack alone, you'd, you would love it, I think. Um, you and Phil covered it, didn't you, in your soundtrack episode? Yeah, I think yeah. Phil put this, um, uh, one of us put this as one of the songs from the soundtrack in here, in, in the uh, top soundtracks episode. Um, yeah, I, I meant I meant to watch this after you mentioned it the last time, but yeah, circum- circumstances are a bit sensitive at that time. That maybe, <laughs> yeah, totally. Maybe maybe I'll go and watch it now. You know, just... yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I I'm I am nervous to go watch it again. I feel like I would just cringe the whole way through, just looking back at myself, saying, "You idiot! Why was you, why was you acting like that?" Um, so it's really it's really interesting you say that because obviously this week me and you went to go see Scott Pilgrim. Versus yes. the world, yes, we did. Which, which you've never seen before, no. And I saw the cinema when it first came out, and I loved, loved it, absolutely loved it. And I, I haven't seen it in years. And I remember, like, we watched it the other day, and I know you didn't really like it. And I remember, being, I, I remember watching it and thinking, "Fuck me, I feel old." Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. I don't like. I enjoyed it, but nowhere near as I used to. And I was like, maybe it's because I just don't. I'm not I'm not a kid anymore. I'm not yeah. that age anymore where it's like the rambunctious like teenage love, crazy things you do as a kid, all this kind of like it was like I don't I don't get it anymore. No. Like it just it was like I still enjoyed it for what it was, but it wasn't like the nostalgia I would have had for certain other films that totally. I've seen, you know, that are older than that. But it's because but yeah. we it's because the films that we the films that we're talking about the characters were the same age as us at that time. Yes. So we can relate to them literally pretty much the same you know we're going through da- similar emotions and all that think, relationships think, and stuff like that i think it dates us as well that's the problem yeah. we're getting that hor- horrible fucking age now where like you'll watch something and you're like oh god i'm old like i i struggle to watch the in-betweeners now i love the in-betweeners <laughs> i absolutely love the in-betweeners but it's one of those things i watch and i go i watched this when i was in sixth form yeah and this and like and i look at how old the tv show is and then you're just like oh god like no oh exactly so, so that, yeah, that's why I'm hesitant to go back to it. But again, it's a film that I just absolutely love and never thought I would love it. It's got a really cool art style to it as well. There's, you may have seen it, or I think it's even a trend, like even on social media now. You've got the, there's a particular scene where I won't spoil it in case you do watch it, which is um, it's a split screen uh, and he has an expectation of what's going to happen because you know they basically fell out with the girl and mm. he thinks she, she's going to welcome him back with open arms so one side on the left hand side of the screen it's expectation the other side is reality okay. so his expectation is very much like you know they fall straight in love where reality is very very far from that it's a really cool and quirky scenes how they film stuff um i like him as well i like i like joseph gordon yeah he's, I think he... he's fantastic he's yeah. so good um and i think probably the first time i was made aware of him as well before he came into stuff like uh, uh dark knight rises as well um looper. a bit more mainstream yeah and stuff like looper yeah. as well um but yeah really good and it, it it says its whole sort of slogan is say it says up front this is not a love story it's a story about love so it's not necessarily what you would think of the um genre of like rom-coms it kind of takes puts a little spin on it as well Mm. um so it is quite interesting how they basically say that up front this is not a love story so you kind of throw some expectations out the window and it's not quite what we expect but well, all in all I mean, it's a really 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 good story with an amazing soundtrack 
it's really interesting you say about it being a rom-com for guys because it's very like that sounds like a rom-com for guys but with expectations like reality mm, yeah because i think i feel like there is a lot of guy rom-coms where it's like the guy's perspective you know but, but it's yeah. like unrealistic yeah so this sounds like it's one of those on the spectrum where it's like now nah, this is like this yeah is this is re- i would yeah. say so it's almost like an unglorified look at love at that age i would say and it's kind of like you know this is kind of what would is more realistic of what would happen in modern relationships at that time i think that's why i kind of like la la land so much because it's one of those things where it's like now nah, this is what this is what it's really like this is mm. you know this is you know the kind of um thing you know i'm gonna i'm putting it down the recommendations i think i'm ready to watch it i'm gonna put yeah. down yeah I'll put a caveat that it may have dated slightly, but yeah, I would like, I'd be interested to see a fresh perspective in 2021 to see if that still resonates on any level. But um, yeah, yeah so, so that's my number one. So nice. got through those pretty quickly. Um, so we'll go on to our recommendations then, or not some recommendations, our um, uh, honorable the, the mentions. Films, the honorable mentions that didn't quite make the list then. So I'll throw it back to you then. Uh, for okay. the ones that you couldn't quite put on the list. So for being knee deep in shit, I was also <laughs> elbow deep in some gold. So bit, bit, <laughs> bit of a weird analogy there, but just, picture just picturing me... you like knee deep in shit, <laughs> but the top half is in golden shit. <laughs> it's like some sort of weird torture chamber where yeah. the bottom is, the bottom is shit and the top is gold. It's just you know. Bit, give me some visualization behind this uh, yeah, this this episode totally. but um but yeah so this was quite tough as well to kind of break down things because quite there's was, was quite a lot in this year that I was like oh shit that's actually really good as well but these yeah. are the ones that I would say that I would rewatch or have rewatched and enjoyed since so um first and foremost is Watchmen yes so Watchmen is Zack Snyder's adaptation adaptation of the Alan Moore Dave Gibbons uh uh, comic book from the 80s Watchmen which is basically based on it's an alternate universe where superheroes are an actual thing and have been for a very long time but they have been part of government um, uh, sort of agencies and they've very much almost outlawed at one point because of the usage by the government and stuff like that so it's kind of you're outlawed to be a, a superhero or vigilante, but there is still some dealings with them underhandedly by the government. And this is during the 80s kind of Cold War setting between the American and uh, obviously Russia with, the, you know, the kind of Soviet Union. And it's, I loved, I loved, absolutely loved the graphic novels as a kid. So I was like, oh my God, they're making this into a film. This yeah. is going to be absolutely brilliant. And uh, for those who know the graphic novel, they, they changed part of the ending Yes, because because even reading reading the graphic novel as a kid, you kind of go, "What the fuck happened?" And it kind of takes you to realize, "Oh, oh!" So I kind of get why they change it because, unfortunately, yeah. you know, it's, it's it's for a mass, mass, mass presentation. Obviously, being the movie, so they have to obviously you know appeal to a wider audience and say, yeah. "I get it, I get it." You're bastardizing things, but I get it as well. Um, but no, this was like one of the first kind of iterations I ever saw of like a gritty pretty fucked up comic as well and it was like seeing it brought to life and being like oh shit like they can do gritty stuff they can mm. do like some pretty messed up stuff you know that's that's pretty cool but um again i think this is one of those things where pretty stellar cast what it is um you know the, the for, for for the story is um re- you know it, it really over uh, like underplays that gritty new york as well which again 
keep saying about these settings that yeah. I love, but again, Gritty New York is a really good setting good as well. Like, like that 70s, 80s Gritty New York as well. Um, but no, thoroughly enjoyed it. It's, it's a pretty cool thing because, like I said, it's an alternate universe, so it's kind of a uh, little bit of reality and like what really was going on, but with the splicing of like superheroes yeah. and stuff like that as well, which is pretty cool. So it was like a different take on that. Um, number two was Wes Anderson's Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah. So Fantastic Mr. Fox, so kind of the stop motion um, adaptation of the the book by Roald Dahl with George Clooney at the helm voicing um, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Classic Wes Anderson. You've got an amazing cast. Obviously, you've got Bill Murray in there, which yes. can't be understated. You know, Jason Schwartzman, Meryl Streep, Willem Dafoe, Owen Wilson, uh, all playing, you know, these lovable creatures, stuff like that. And uh, the crafty Mr. Fantastic Fox as he wages wars against the three farmers that uh, he, whose land he invades and steals various, uh, you know, um, livestock and uh, yeah. obviously different things from them. But uh, yeah. One of my one of my favorite Wes Anderson films, and it, again, it was kind of cool for him to kind of go in a bit of a stop motion, yeah. um, you know, completely completely out of the blue, you know, that's that quirkiness from Wes Anderson and the the same simile of filmmaking, but in a stop motion yeah. animation was just. Absolutely I, I loved it. I, I I think I put this in my list of like top five ones because it yeah. was just such a surprise of going ah, oh, I'm just going to take a a massive turn and go into animation as well and yeah and for me it pulls it off i think yeah, yeah great shout great shout i still i still haven't I've, I've had it i got it for christmas years ago i've still not watched isle of dogs okay yeah it'd be interesting to see what you think of that and again i can't watch things where dogs get hurt or could be i don't think it yeah, is I, like I'm that. A, I, can't remember. I know but i need to watch it again i need to it's one i need to watch i need to yeah. man up and watch it but there you go um number three was moon Yes, yes, good shot. Di- directed by Duncan Jones, aka David Bowie. Bowie's. Yeah, David Bowie's son, which yeah. uh, which little little known fact for you there. But yeah, Sam Rockwell, fucking brilliant in this. So, uh, so uh, Sam Rockwell plays uh, basically uh, set in the near distant future where there are bases on the moon for different researches, and he is a almost almost like a lone. Um, researcher i guess it's in, in one of the one of the stations that's kind of left on his own in this one research uh, area and he's got a, a ai counterpart voiced by uh <coughs> kevin's face um yeah. but uh but yeah so that's you know oh well that's before <laughs> what's going on but um, exactly. but yeah and you know it's he's in isolation he's you know obviously running all these different experiments and without spoiling it too much things aren't quite what they seem and it's that sort of very very classic science fiction thing of like you're stuck in the middle of nowhere you're you know millions of miles away from earth and you know just going mad in isolation which some of us have done Mm. so far in the last 12 months (laughs) yeah but it's that whole thing of like what's reality what's in his yeah, mind absolutely exactly. really 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 good watch really good um, underrated film i put it in my list as well but yeah really underrated yeah uh a little bit of a fun one fanboys not seen this so so actually funny enough i, I completely missed the beat this is on the star wars star trek yeah <laughs> so yeah so this is so um this is quite a, a fun little film as well and i think th- i think this was actually a short film that got turned into a, a proper film as well but basically it's set in the late 90s, just before the release of Phantom Menace. 
um, lifelong Star Wars fans uh, of kids, uh, sorry, the kids uh, lifelong fans of Star Wars, um, they lose touch and they meet up years later and it turns out that one of their best friends is dying. And so they basically make this sort of quest to break into Luke, uh, to George Lucas' house to see the Phantom Menace because unfortunately their friend is going to pass away before the release. And it's brilliant because they encounter, you know, the Star Wars nerds. There's one bit where they encounter Star Trek fans and it is fucking hilarious. Like <laughs> Seth, Ro Seth Rogen is like the head of this like Star Trek group and they have this like fight in the middle of a park. And it's just, yeah, it's just absolutely brilliant because they just have like this massive debate about what's better, Star Wars and Star Trek. And there's just absolutely brilliant, geeky little things that come out of that. Uh, but it's quite a sweet story as well. Like I said, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's got a bit of a, you know, hardship behind it because it's like, like I said, these friends, they don't speak to each other years. And it's kind of a sad thing that brings them together. But it is a, um, yeah, it's quite, a, you know, quite a sweet thing that, uh, a quick, sweet story, shall I say, that, uh, mm. that they have and that and the adventure they have as well. Um, but yeah, just quite a little fun one, and uh, like I said, on that kind of Star Trek Star Wars lore as well, which was nice good to watch. The last one, I'm throwing this in the air because this this wasn't this wasn't the best film I saw or one of the best films I saw in 2009, but it was one of the films that I just kind of went, fuck me, I love I loved that, and I don't know why I loved it, but it just, oh, I don't, you know, but there you go. Nicholas Cage's Bad Lieutenant Port yes. of Cornwall. <laughs> yes, thank fuck mate, you mentioned it. It's mate, so fun. It's Werner Herzog, the director. Mate, mate, this film is one of those shared experiences in a cinema that I like fondly remember. Just because, again, <laughs> I went to go see this in the middle of the day, middle of the week. Uh, not many people in the cinema, you know, and it was one of those rare occasions where, like, say what I mentioned with like the skin I live in where people in the audience were just looking at each other like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it was one of those things, like, you could just sit there and watch it, accept it what it is, but what, where it was going, people just looking at each other, like me looking at the people going like, what the fuck what is the going fuck? on? It was just, it was brilliant. It was it's just so funny. I really want to go, I think I've only seen this at the cinema as well, I'm and I really want to go back to watching it. I'm putting this on the list. <laughs> I'm putting it on my, I might take it as well. We just both talk about Bad Lieutenant for the next oh mate episode it was just because i i thought it was supposed to be like quite a serious film like it was like a um well it's supposed to be a remake because there's bad lieutenant yeah. which is um harvey Keitel. Like, yeah um but i haven't seen that and it was certainly <laughs> wasn't wasn't as comedic i don't think as as what this is meant to be no, but there's just one scene where like it's set in new orleans so it's kind of you know the um uh kind of that sort of southern midwest of america in that and there's just one scene where, like, it's just zoomed in on a crocodile on the side of the road with please release me, let me go. But it's like the entire song just zoomed. It's like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, what is going on? Like, it's just so I just remember weird. there's a, like, I'm pretty sure there's a scene he pulls, like, a, a magnum gun on this old woman and, like, interrogates yeah. her yeah. while he's snorting coke or he's just yeah. snorting coke. It's just and, mental. And, and there's one bit when he's like, because he's 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 in it with like some of the drug dealers, like he's taking backhanders, and they they kill this guy in an office, and like Nicholas Cage just starts shooting the dead body, and they're like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "He's dead." He's like, "No, his stop, his soul is still dancing." And then the camera pans over, and the dead body is like break dancing to like <laughs> fucking like it's like it's just what the fuck is going on? Like it just it's so funny. But, oh man, just, yeah, I had to put it in there because it was just, it, it was one of those films, it wasn't the best film I've seen that year. It no. Probably, it probably wasn't even a good film. It was just... It stood out. The experience of watching it was just memorable enough to be like, I can't not mention it. 
<laughs> I'm glad you mentioned it because I wondered, like, should I mention it now? But yeah, no, let's let's definitely mention Bad Lieutenant. That's, that is that is mental Nick Cage at his best, yes, I think. Yes, yes, um, yes. So yeah, no, good, good, uh, good list there. Um, so I've I've taken a few out that you mentioned. I'm going to mention a few others quickly then. So um, a film I think is quite underrated, certainly from an acting perspective. Um, I wonder if you've seen this. Have you seen Brothers? With no. Toby Maguire, Jake Gyllenhaal, Natalie Portman. No, I've I've heard of it though. He's like he's was he like a prisoner of war or something that like or he's announced dead and he comes back or something. That's it. So Toby yeah. Maguire, I think for me, so in the films that I've the few films I've seen him outside of Spider Man, it's probably his best performance. Um, so he plays um, husband. He's married to Natalie Portman. They've got kids. He goes to Afghanistan and is presumed dead. And we as the viewer, I'm not sure if he's dead or not. Um, and Tommy, who is played by Jake Gyllenhaal, kind of, um, he's, it's uh, Toby McGuire's brother, and he kind of steps in to kind of help the family out while they're grieving. Um, but as all that goes on, over some amount of time, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Natalie Portman get closer and closer. And then Toby McGuire comes back. Uh, he isn't dead, and it just changes the whole dynamic of, you know, she's kind of moved on in her head, presuming he's dead. He isn't dead. Um, but all on top of that, Toby Maguire is suffering from PTSD and all that stuff. So it's kind of a, uh, it's a really good uh, acting film, I think, if that makes sense, in that the performances are all round are really good. It's a really good storyline. Um, I don't think it gets mentioned that much, but I remember it certainly stood out for me for Toby Maguire has a particular scene where he just has a, a breakdown towards the end, which is, for me, one of the best performances he's done. Um, but yeah, really good underrated film. So I've put Brothers in there. Um, a Serious Man, which is a Coen Brothers film. Uh, okay. Um, which uh, I did when I re-watched all of the Coen Brothers start of the year was another one I actually enjoyed a bit more this time round than perhaps I did the first time round. Um, so it follows... Um, uh, what's his name? Michael Stuhlberg, who is a physics professor in a Midwestern university in America, um, who's found out his wife has told him that she's leaving him for another man. Um, and it's everything. It basically, it's kind of everything kind of goes wrong for this guy and, and you know, how he comes about rectifying that, basically. Um, very funny, but also has a really serious message in there as well, which is quite good. So it's a good mix. Um yeah decent Coen Brothers film um a few others then so another one I think is really underrated uh it's a adaptation of a kid's story kid's book which is the where the wild things are did you ever see this I did I didn't like it oh okay so I yeah. I, I I enjoyed it I thought it was a nice take I really like the soundtrack which is Karen O from um the yeah yeah yes and a choir of kids. They did a whole album together um, for this, which is a Spike Jones film, which I, I really enjoyed the soundtrack. I haven't gone back to it. I've only seen it the one time from the cinema, but I thought it was quite quirky and quite different and has quite a good cast. You've got the likes of, um, again, James Gandolfini, Forrest Whitaker, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Cooper, Catherine O'Hara. It's a really good cast in there. Um, again, I put it in here. I didn't put it in top five because I didn't know on a second rewatch if this would still hold up but i remember did, st standing out this year did you read the book as a kid 
I did, but I'd not enough to kind of remember it and go, what is yeah, this? See, that's the thing. I, so I went to see it with, again, my mate Albano, and he loved it as a kid. And I think it was one of those things where, like, he enjoyed it, and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't love it enough to understand, like, the quirkiness of it, or, like, appreciate mm. the... Um, I think it, I, I think I just wasn't in the mood for it, and it was just right. it was like, nah, just not not in my cup of tea in that yeah. instance. No, I, I really enjoyed it. We were watching that, but I, I liked it. It was pure like kids escapism movie, but kind of for adults as well because there's some kind of scary scenes in there where the the wild things kind of turn on the kid as well, and he's like forced like, what do I do? Because they kind of treat him as the king. Um, but yeah, it's it's, it's a great. It's a great kids film with a quirky soundtrack, I thought. Um, definitely one that stood out. It was a different look to anything released that year, at least. Um, so I'm going to go for my obscure horror film, which I absolutely love this film. I nearly put this in my top five, but I thought thought better of it. So it's called The Collector. And what I would... My tagline for this would be, it would be Home Alone meets Saw. <laughs> is, it the du- is it the dude that wears a wrestling mask? Yeah, it kind of is a rest. Yeah, like a, oh, like a he's is. got like a he's got like it's, a luchador mask. It's kind of tied up as one, but it's just a plain black mask. Ah, so okay, yeah, yeah. basically, the plot is we follow this guy, the main character, who is uh, an ex-con and who's in some debt. So what he does is he works on a he's employed on like a country home um, to like help build it. Um, but what he does, what he's actually doing, is he's scoping the house out. It's a well-off family, and at night plots to break in and steal things from the house but what he doesn't realize is someone else has chose to break in and that per- that person has decided to target the family and rig the house with these deadly traps <laughs> so mm. um you've kind of got a bad guy who's breaking into the house to steal things and you've also got the actual bad guy who's like torturing them um it's just really unique i didn't see anything like it. it is kind of like like i said home alone the, the the traps he he sets around the house are mental. Like some of them are well, just I, crazy. Well, like marbles on the floor, paint cans <laughs> on the staircase. Like, yeah, but it's more like marbles with knives. <laughs> are you friends? Have you had enough? Are you thirsty for more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is pretty much like that. It is exactly Home Alone meets Saw. Some of it is absolutely grotesque, but it's one of those films where it's the pleasant surprise of. You know, you've watched a shit ton of terrible horrors. This one's yeah. actually quite good and quite interesting. It's got a sequel called The Collection. Um, mm. And then there's supposed to be a third one called The Collected. But I think that's been knocked out because of COVID. So I don't know mm. if that's still going to happen. But yeah, quite a decent um, decent horror film. Speaking of uh, horror films from 2009, did you ever see The Last House on the Left? Last no, last half on the left. Is that a remake? Yeah. Oh, so I, I don't s- think I have. I saw that on a date. Not a film to see on a date. <laughs> no man, just not there's, good. There's, oh, there's it was an okay horror film. There's just one scene. I won't go into too much detail. Very graphic, not yeah. the ideal, not the ideal film to see. I've I've got it on the, on the list. I was gonna put it as like worse because of that, but yeah. Yeah, not not after you've just eaten as well. Not yeah, well, not even that. It's just not a real good film to see on a date. Nice, nice. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Two thousand and nine horror films for that. Um, 
So I've got two more and I'll go very quickly through them. So um, one of them, I think you would have seen this, Harry Brown. Oh, yes. Michael Caine. Yes. Yeah. Versus uh, Chavs. Yes. It's just so good. Oh, Classic film. So that, that, uh, sca- that scared me a little bit because yeah. of how it was one of those scary things of like, fuck me this is like really real like as in like yeah. terrifyingly real like oh yeah i just I, I think it's great it's great to see michael kane in a lead role at this stage as well you know it's plot is he plays a elderly ex-serviceman and where he's living he's basically getting taken over by local chavs who are just harassing and he's basically turned into a vigilante and standing up for himself and delivering his own sort of justice really the, the scene that stands out for me the most is there's a scene, I'm going to say midway or certainly earlier on in the film, where he doesn't want to go down an alleyway um, because there's people hanging around and he's like, right, I'm going to find a different way. After he's gone through, you know, delivering his justice one bullet at a time, um, right at the end, he, there's the alleyway he's been nervous to go down and he just walks down it. He's like yeah. got the confidence to go and do it. And it's so simple but it's quite effective to show yeah. you know, he stood up for himself even at an, at an older age um he's so underrated it's, it's great and it's not disposable action either or like disposable sort of film it's actually you know it's worth your time um it's got a great cast in there just looking at it now jack o'connell was probably famous for you know skins he's done a few films since then like startup and stuff so yeah some really good actors that have done quite well sean harris which i think is the guy yeah. He does Mission Impossible, <laughs> and he is awful in this, isn't he? And we used to say that uh, Joe Hockham. He used to look like Joe Hockham from work. Yeah, classic. Oh, mate, he's he's horrible. He's like the um, he's like a drug dealer, isn't he? Or like a crackhead drug dealer guy that's just like creepy as fuck the entire way yeah. film. Like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah, really good film. Um, I'm just going to rattle off some names. So I'm not going to go through them. So, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the original ones out this year. That's that is uh, that's good. That's a good film. Uh, better than the remake as well. Mm. Um, speaking of remakes, though, this is a good remake. Taken of Pelham One Two Three. I enjoyed this film. Oh yeah, that was good. That yeah. was good. I thought I was. That was quite a good. Um, John good Travolta. Be- yeah, good performance. Why yeah. John Travolta? Later in his career, he's not that good, but here he's all right. Um, mm. The Road. That's quite good. Vigo the Vigo Mortensen one, yeah. yeah, that's that's a great film. Surprised that wasn't on your list, mate. To be fair, <clears throat> what bleak, bleak? I tried bleak. to get out the bleak. Oh yeah. <laughs> does this film have? Does this what 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 filter is used on this film? Oh, it's like a really grey bleak one. I guess I'll have I'll have uh, two Mastiece. tickets, please. One one for now and a rewatch afterwards, please. Yeah, Just... exactly. <laughs> Rock out the cinema to myself to watch it. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, actually, that's pretty much it. Um, there was, like I said, a lot of films, but a lot of crap. I'd probably say I'm going to end on the dumb, dumb film of the year, Crank. <laughs> Crank High Voltage. Is that um, 2009? Yeah, that's the sequel, I think. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I thought it was a I think that's the one where they, 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 do, they have a fight scene and then it cuts to them fighting like Godzilla monsters. <laughs> it's just ridiculous but fuck me it's so funny um so yeah the, there's my honorable mentions um nice so before we go then um let's firstly pick the year for the next time so using the randomizer the next year we're going to do is 1990 so mm, okay. i think that's a tough year i'm gonna to have to look at that i know 
one springs to mind. Um, but I think what we struggle we've said before is that the earlier on, the you know the lesser films that we've actually seen during that time period because we were only one uh, mm. at that time. So that'll be interesting to go away and find out for uh, what we need to what we our top fives will be. So before we go though, let's do our recommendations. So, what film would you suggest I go away and watch? Um, <clears throat> I would say go and rewatch *Inglorious Bastards*. Okay. Yeah. And and as a fun one, go and rewatch *Fanboys*. Oh, sorry, go and watch *Fanboys* if you can yeah, find it. I think if, if, you can, if you can find it, it's a fun watch. Yeah, I think I might do that because it was one yeah. of the ones again. I'm enjoying watching the comedies, to be honest, because again, I do watch the uh, oh, mate. less I, comedic I, films. I, I watched, uh, I said to you the other day, I watched Naked Gun 20, uh, two and, uh, uh, 22 and a half, and I was just, I was in absolute tears because I hadn't seen it in so long, but there was bits that triggered me to remember what was about to happen. Yeah. And I was I was laughing before it even happened, and then when it happened, I was just absolutely increasing. It's like it just, yeah. Classic, classic Leslie Nielsen and that. But, yeah, uh, it's brilliant. It's so funny. Okay, so, so yeah, yeah, fanboys, fanboys, and glorious bastards. And if we can get through those, so cool. I'll take those. So for yourself, I think it sounds like you've been making a list, but the ones mm. I would pick to put near the top would be in the loop because I just mm-hmm. know firstly that you're going to love the humour. Yeah. Um, Five Hundred Days of Summer. I think obviously mm-hmm. I put it as my top film, but interesting to see if that holds up for you yep. um so yeah those are my two i don't know if there's any other you noted along the way but so i've got in the loop uh district nine to rewatch. five hundred days of summer bad lieutenant to rewatch. brothers to watch serious man and harry brown to rewatch. nice so. so i might make a i might try and watch bad lieutenant again because i just want to talk about <laughs> that because i think that would be oh mate funny. i think yeah I, i'd love to I, I, I'm, I'm gonna try and rewatch that just to see just how Bizarre, it still whether it still holds up on that. But he, 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 he still makes me laugh that Werner Herzog did it because he's known for doing these really art house, you know, serious films, certainly um, decades prior to that, to then kind of do this wacky over the top Nicolas Cage like remake kind of. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So, uh, yeah, that cool. Okay, so it looks like we've got a few uh, to go and watch then. So, perfect. Okay, well, thanks again for your time today. Um, it was a pleasure. And we'll catch up next time when we talk about the films of 1990. I don't know. I feel like we're going to be scraping the barrel a bit because I don't feel like we've seen too many, but we might just be able to make a top five, but we'll see how we get on. But yeah, thanks again, and I'll speak to you next time. Always a pleasure, man. Speak to you soon.